0: Sandy Barker turned an adventuresome travelling life into fiction and half a dozen books later she's still going strong with her latest, The Dating Game, described as the perfect escapist rom-com for the holiday season. What could be better for this time of year? Welcome to the Joys of Binge Reading, the show for anyone who ever got to the end of a great book and wanted to read the next instalment. We interview successful series authors and recommend the best in mystery, suspense, historical and romance series, so you'll never be without a book you can't put down. You'll find this episode's show notes, a free e-book and lots more information at thejoysofbingereading.com. And now, here's our show. Hi there. I'm your host, Jenny Wheeler, and in today's Joys of Binge Reading episode, Sandy talks about how meeting her husband in Greece launched her career as an author and how a fascination with reality TV inspired her latest book, The Dating Game. We've got three ebook copies of the dating game to give away to three lucky readers. So enter the draw for our new festive promotion, Joy to the World, on our website, thejoysofbingereading.com, or on our binge reading Facebook page. Before we get to Sandy, just a reminder: you can support the podcast for the equivalent of a cup of coffee a month and get exclusive bonus content. You get access to behind-the-scenes stories, tips on what's coming up so you can read the books before you hear the author's talk, and insights into our featured authors like Sandy in the Getting to Know You quickfire questions. But now, here's Sandy. Hello there, Sandy, and welcome to the show. It's great to have you with us.
1: Oh, thank you so much for the invitation, Jenny. I'm really thrilled
0: to be here. Look, your latest book is called The Dating Game. So we'll get right into it and talk about this book. It's based on a reality TV show with eerie similarities to things like Married at First Sight or The Bachelor. And it's, such a, it's really an unusual and creative take on things. I wondered how you got inspired to do it. Are you a real fan of those sorts of reality shows for a start? Well, I do I do like a good
1: competition reality show. And I have to say, last year when we were in, you know, deep, deep lockdown, because I'm based in Melbourne, Australia, my colleague said, hey, how about we watch The Bachelor and we have a sweepstakes of who wins? And it was just like a little bit of a bright spark in our working week. So we all kind of, you know, put our hands up for that and we were watching along and this kind of catching up with each other the next morning in a chat thread and and after the first one, I was like, mm, I was kind of inspired to write a recap of the episode just for entertainment purposes, and I posted it to our team chat, and it went off. It was. They loved it. They were like, this is hysterical. It's so funny. Please keep doing these. And it was really timely, actually, because it became the um, Love in Lockdown series of The Bachelor here in Australia because we went into lockdown in the middle of filming. So they were having all these video dates, which were really uncomfortable. And so the recaps kept going. And I mentioned them to a friend of mine who's, she writes World War II fiction, but she's always got these great ideas for kind of chick lit um, rom comms. And I mentioned the recaps and she said, oh, send me one. So I sent it to her and she said, you need to write this as a book. And I'm like, what? Like, you know, a series of The Bachelor. And she goes, no, no, no. Well, you create a show like The Bachelor and you send her on there undercover, but she's the one who writes the recaps. And I was like, Oh, that's really cool. So I I pitched the idea to my editor, and my sorry to my agent. And I sent her one of the recaps and pitched her a little bit of the idea, and she goes, "That's great. I like that. So write chapter one." So I went away and wrote chapter one, kind of got a sense of who this woman was, because she's nothing like the personality that writes the recaps. That person's very sarcastic and acerbic, and sent it off to my agent. She said that I think this is really fun. Let's uh, let's pitch it to our your publisher. So yeah, it just kind of snowed from there and i put together the synopsis and pitched it to the publisher and we pitched it along with some other books in my series as well as a follow-up to my christmas book and they loved it and i actually got another four book deal off the back of the dating game so yeah that's how it came about and yes i do watch those shows i'm currently watching the bachelorette and it's really really fun season because she she's both same-sex attracted and attracted to men. So they've got men and women contestants on there and it's a great season. I'm really enjoying it. And I did actually recap the very first episode on my blog as the character from The Dating Game So that was really fun little tie-in for, for readers of The Dating Game So yeah, that's how it came about
0: That's hilarious, and for people who might not be quite clear About what you're talking about when you say recap It's like a TV uh, Commentary slash gossip Show that you might publish In a, in a daily newspaper or something Isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: So it's a bit like Gogglebox, but on the, pa- on the Page, so it's a bit kind of A running commentary of the silly things that happen And, you know, just Kind of, it's the it's the catty comments that we might say in our own living room, but not share with a wider audience. That's right. So the re, yeah, that personality um in the book, she's called Anastasia Blabbergusted, and her recaps are published on an online in an online magazine, which is a made up magazine, just like the show is a made up show. But yeah, so yeah, it's just a it's just a recap of what happened in the show, but just with a funny slant and kind of a bit of commentary. Yeah, for sure.
0: It's life out loud. Loud funny. You've got a very good wit. I must admit, I was reading it sort of late at night in bed, and I got to the bit where Abby Jones goes on a date riding a horse when she's absolutely terrified of horses. And, and I don't know, I mean, it's sort of almost cruel what happens, but I just absolutely broke out into laughter in the middle of the night in my bedroom. And I thought, this is a real gift to be able to have a good old laugh like this at something as silly as this. So it was really fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah. I, I have to say,
1: I know that a scene is working if it makes me laugh out loud while I'm writing it. And I know that it's really, really working if when I come back to edit it, it still makes me laugh out loud. So yeah. I'm glad that that's kind of been the experience for people because it is very light. It's supposed to be just kind of pure entertainment and escapism because, you know, I wrote the whole thing while I was in lockdown and I think that people have just
0: had enough,
1: (laughs) enough of seriousness for a while. Let's just kind of escape into something a bit lighter and funnier.
0: And one other funny little aspect of it is that although the show itself is UK based, they send all of the contestants and the producers, etc. It's all filmed in Sydney, Australia, so they're all outside of their comfort zone a little bit as well, which adds extra spice um, to the whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I, you know, I originally thought because my publisher and my agent are both in the UK, I was living in the UK at the time, I was querying everybody, so that's why it all kind of got secured over there. So there there is always a UK connection to my with my books, um, but also an Australian connection because I'm an Australian. So I either write Australians going and traveling um with a UK connection, or I will write and I'm just like, well, I want to bring them here. So I played with the premise of the show and and you know, my my agent had originally said we're we setting this in the UK, and I was like, you know, I kind of want to write Sydney again. I, I love Sydney. I'd lived there for about ten years, and. I'm like, no, I want it set in Sydney. So I played with the premise of the show and just said, you know, it's going to be filmed in Sydney. We're going to have half of the contestants are going to be British and half of the contestants will be Australian. So there'll be this kind of Aussie-Brit, you know, rivalry in in the manor. And the stag is British as well. And then the the crew, the producer and the, um, the director and the crew are all Australian. So, yeah, it was nice kind of being able to play with that and also with Abby you know, she's quite you know, she's quite a serious person. She writes as Anastasia, she writes these recaps, but she's quite a serious person. She wants to be a serious journalist. She does do that in her own time, is try to, you know, research articles and and she, she really wants a big break. And so she's a fish out of water in this reality world, you know, having to be on screen and then throwing her into Australia as well is kind of really enhancing that fish out of water aspect of the book.
0: Yes, yes. Now, I see from your website, if I've read it correctly, that there is going to be more installments of The Dating Game. Is that right? Well, I haven't actually planned anything else for Abby and her and the gang. I have
1: got a series running. My very first book out with uh, one more chapter is called One Summer in Santorini. And there are three books in that series currently out, and books four and five are coming out early next year. But I have actually planned a follow-up to my Christmas book, which is called The Christmas Swap. Now, that came out around a year ago, and at that time, I had written it as a standalone. I wasn't sure if I was going to do a follow-up, but I have decided to bring all of that Group back together again, um, so that's what I'll be working
0: on. That's
1: the next book to write. I haven't I haven't started writing that one
0: yet. Oh, great! I did see that that reference to series. I wasn't quite sure which one, but you have just very recently tweeted, put in a Twitter post about continuity problems with your series and jokingly <laughs> said, what do you do when you suddenly discover in book five that somebody's doing something that's been totally contradicting what they said in book four? How are you going with that one?
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's funny too, because the Holiday romance series, as I said, I started that, I started writing the book that became One Summer in Santorini years and years and years ago. And then the, the, next two books in the series I wrote in 2018. So, to go back and start writing these characters again, I went back and reread those books and kind of made some notations. And I have my little style guide, my little character Bible. The book book four, which I'm currently editing, I'm about to hand over. I actually finished writing that about a year and a half ago, and I just finished writing book five. And then... (laughs) book five, you know, she says something like, oh, you know, how's Bali? I've never been. I'm like, hang on a minute. There's an entire, now I'm editing book four, which I hadn't really looked at for over a year. There's this whole scene where she talks about going to Bali. I'm like, okay, um, I think we need to change that because I like the scene in book four about her going to Bali. So I'm going to change it in book five where she goes, oh yeah, I only went to Bali that one time when I got sick. So it was just funny to kind of find those things. And I know that readers of a series. Are likely to catch
0: those, so it's yes. good when I do catch those. <laughs> it's like, yeah, oops, absolutely, um. it's really good you caught it at this point. Now, yeah. you mentioned Summer in Santorini, there's a lovely story about that as well because you had very much based on personal experience that book, wasn't it? Tell us about that.
1: Yes, I started writing that book as really a love letter to my partner Ben. Uh, we actually met in Santorini and I. Um, you know, people would say to us, oh, how did you guys meet? Because he's American and I'm Australian and we've lived in the States, we've lived here. And people are like, how did you two meet? And we're like, yeah, we met in Greece. What? (laughs) And then we tell the story and they're like, what? That's just so romantic. And I thought, okay, well, if I'm going to start writing seriously, I might as well start with a story that is you know it's it's actually a really good meet cute it is a romantic story of how two people meet so the first very first part of the book about you know these people meeting on the pier as they're about to go on a sailing trip that's you know that's a a slice out of my life and then there's a lot of characters in that book who are inspired by real people does diverge from reality where I introduce a second love interest. So in real life it was just me and Ben, the cute American boy but in the book there is a second love interest as well. that story continues in book three a sunset in sydney so it's the continuation of the love triangle but yeah it was inspired by my real real life meeting my partner and we've been together for 15 years now gosh oh that's fantastic
0: and, and switching back to your Christmas book, The Christmas Swap, I partly wanted to do this chat at this time of year because we will be using this episode in um, December as a, as a Christmas episode. And that book struck me as being a bit of a cross between The Holiday and Love Actually. It's got elements of both of those very popular Christmas movies in it, I think. Three girlfriends swap locations and families for Christmas and each one ends up with a new unexpected love interest. How did you are you a big fan of Christmas movies yourself and how did you decide to do this one? Well I love Christmas so much.
1: (laughs) I'm like I'm like the 52 year old five year old child at Christmas. Like I'm like seriously love Christmas Beyond. I, I mean, I'm like, can we put the Christmas tree up yet? Can we put the Christmas tree up yet? <laughs> Even if we're going away for Christmas, we still put up the Christmas tree. I'm all about Christmas stockings and traditions. And I've got, you know, I've, I've got British family, I've got American family. So you put those two together and the Christmas um, traditions is just like, you know, tenfold. So we have the Christmas cookies, but we also have the Christmas pudding. Like, I love Christmas. So I knew that I wanted to write a Christmas book and I've had Christmases around the world the UK the US Australia even one in Mexico one year so I'm like okay I want to write about some of these different Christmases what if I have this one character who and I write her three subsequent Christmases and I was like uh, I didn't really like that idea (laughs) and then I thought well what if I had three friends that live in three different countries and they swap Christmases I'm like okay well how would they know each other so I figured that out and that happens in the prologue of the book is that they all meet when they're traveling with their parents when they're children they meet at like kids club you know at this resort in Maui when they're 11 and they stay you know like in contact and then as they become adults they travel together so they meet up to travel and they're each other's best friends and they're very very different people but they're very very close almost like sisters and it's when when one of them Chloe the Australian she lives in Melbourne it's like mid-years mi- middle of miserable Melbourne um, <laughs> winter and she gets a call from her parents that they're going on a cruise for Christmas and she's devastated because she loves Christmas and she wants to just have you know you know, proper Christmas. So she's moaning to the other girls and um, the British girl, Lucy, says, well, you can come here. It's very traditional. You know, we have a very traditional Christmas for, you know, family-oriented and everything else. But it won't be a white Christmas because we rarely have those in England. And she goes, I kind of, you know, I... I wish we would have a white Christmas. I can't remember the last time we did. And then she's obsessed with Christmas movies. She's like, you know, Love Actually, Snow. You know, the um, the holiday, Snow. While you were sleeping, Snow. I wish I could have a snowy Christmas. And then the gal who's Jules, who lives in Colorado, is like, oh, you can come here for Christmas. There's always snow. Like, there's so much snow, and she's sick of these, you know, snowed-in, freezing cold Christmases. She goes, honestly. Honestly Chloe I wish I could just come to you know Melbourne and have a hot Christmas and then they just kind of all go hang on and so they swap Christmases for the the year and you know I write rom-coms and you know this is this book's not going to win the Pulitzer Prize and it was never (laughs) intended to so they all meet a love interest which um, one reader found very very unrealistic and told me so in a one-star review but pretty much everybody else just goes for the ride and it's been really well received across the world so it's really fun and funny and the love interest Interests. I couldn't even choose which is my favorite because they're all just gorgeous and there's lots of little surprises and it just alternates chapters between the three of them so yeah it's really really fun really fun book to write
0: I think with that sort of story you just have to suspend disbelief don't you and go yes, as you say yes. go for the ride
1: yes Yes, you do. Yes, you do. Absolutely. It's it's super fun. And what's been fun is kind of coming back to um, that story. I'm rereading it now to get ready to write the, the follow-up because, you know, it's not all, you know, happily ever after. I mean, it is kind of happily ever after at the end of the book, but it's like, yeah, this is, you know, we can have some reality of some of these people are doing long-distance relationships some of them are trying to find you know figure out things together and it's yeah, it's it's gonna be a little bit the next book is gonna start with, well, what are the rea- what's the reality of living in England when your boyfriend lives in Colorado? What does that feel like? And I can write the long distance relationship really well because Ben and I experienced that for two and a half years. Two and a half years. So yeah, it's it's fun to kind of explore the re- the reality that kind of is the undercurrent of the books, but on the surface, they're actually just they're they're good fun. And
0: so, when will this next one be out? I guess it'll be twenty twenty two Christmas, will it? Yes, yes. So, Christmas Swap Two, I'm calling it the May Ladies Christmas, which is what the girls call
1: themselves because they're all born in May. Yes, I'm calling it the May Ladies Christmas, and it'll be the follow up to the Christmas Swap. I think it's coming out in October next year in ebook, and then it'll be November for in print.
0: And it's wonderful about these Christmas books because they really have a perennial life, don't they? I've noticed with other authors, they they, they come around every year, the new readers discover them, because there are people who really seriously look for Christmas stories, aren't there? Absolutely, absolutely. And it's one of the reasons I wanted a Christmas book, because
1: most of my books are considered kind of the summer reading, and I'm using inverted air quotes. Mm. So, the, with the summer reading, I'm like, I really kind of want to have books out there that maybe a new readership will find every year. And I'm very, very careful in my books not to to date them. I don't like mention the year or anything, even over New Year's Eve. We don't talk about what year we're going into or anything because I want new readers to be able to kind of find them and not be pulled out of the story by those sorts of things. So, yeah, the Christmas. Um, stories are very much perennial and you know you see people particularly in the UK they love them in the UK and I you, you see them lining them up <laughs> on their bookshelves yeah. and sometimes they'll even reread them like the same way that we re-watch those Christmas movies which yeah. you know I'm a big fan of those as well and yeah. I have to say the holiday is it's definitely up there in my top Christmas movies and I will happily rewatch that one every year it's just so swoony and love it and I love both of the love interests in that too yeah I I love Graham and Miles they're both just such beautiful men and it's it's also I call it research I call it research Jenny because when you're writing (laughs) romances you should watch and read romances and like oh I really like that aspect of that character I'd like to you know build on that for a new character in one of my books
0: you know. Look switching a little bit away from the specific books your website is titled off the beaten track and you say there that you love travel and adventure from what you've mentioned already that's really clear and you've got a lengthy bucket list now I I would imagine (laughs) that that travel has been very much curtailed over the last 18 months or so so what are a couple of things on your bucket list that you're hoping to achieve soon like in the next 12 to 18 months yeah yeah it's I
1: think that's been the trickiest part of the past 18 months for us is not being able to travel. We met traveling. We always traveled together while we were living apart and and we've traveled a lot since. So I think, you know, really the bucket list stuff is kind of kind of turned a little bit more inward. It's really more about reconnecting with people who are overseas. So my sister, brother-in-law and nephew live in the UK. And by the time we see them again, it'll have been over three years and we, You know, when we um, did our, we did a 2018 sabbatical for 13 months, we lived and worked in different places and we lived with them for four months. And, you know, that's a really tight knit family unit that to be together for such a long time. So seeing them is really important. Ben is from the US. And so seeing his family is really important. We've got some older family members that we want to make sure that we get to see very soon. We don't know how, you know, no one knows how much time we all have and, Mm -hmm. Look, we love New Zealand, love New Zealand. We've been there so many times. I feel like it's it's kind of our home away from home. So we, we think our first international travel will be to New Zealand just because that seems the most feasible, but it's also one of, our, one of the places that we absolutely love the most. So definitely that. And look, you know, the big thing on the bucket list at the moment is we want to have a stint sometime in the next couple of years where we live on a boat, not a sailboat, a, a, a yacht-style boat, You know, electric or, or petrol, whatever, but just kind of. Somewhere where we can potter about and do day trips out on the boat, but just more up at the at the marina and just have live boat life. So we're oh. really kind of keen to do that, and we're investigating the best way to do that. It's not cheap unless you. It's not cheap if you buy the boat, but it's actually cheaper if you buy the boat and then sell it later. So we're just kind of investigating what that can look like, but or where do we even in the world we want to be and doing that. But yeah, that's probably number one on the bucket list.
0: Yes, there's quite a few places in the world that you could do that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So we're just in investigation mode at the moment and seeing how feasible that is. Are you a fan of in-depth conversations on a wide variety of subjects? Then you need to head out on the open highway. I'm Eric Erickson. I bring my crazy career and interests in a variety of subjects to the show. And since I seem to know, well, a little bit about everything, it's just enough to get me into trouble. The open highway is like going on a road trip and meeting all different sorts of people. It's that old idea of sitting at that diner counter, having coffee, and talking with folks with completely different backgrounds. One episode might be a political operative, the next a professional wrestler, and the next a philosopher, just having good old-fashioned conversation. If it's interesting to me, I'm sure it'll be interesting to you too. The Open Highway, new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. Get them wherever you find your favorite podcasts.
0: Fantastic. Look, tell us a bit about your life before you began writing fiction. Are you writing fiction full time now, or have you, do you still have some other engagement as well? So, I look.
1: I've, I'm. I call myself a career educator. I started in as a high school teacher in the mid um, mid eighties. No, no, the mid nineties. Oh my goodness. Oh my god. That was a really long time ago. So yeah, I was a high school teacher, and I gave that up when I moved to. The States to be with Ben. We lived in Seattle, so I worked for a tech company there. And then when we moved back to Australia in 2013, I started with Pearson, which is an education company mostly known for edu- for publishing, but I've always worked in professional development. So I work in um, adult learning and adult training and development and I still do. So I'm down to four days a week now. I used to be full time and was writing books, you know, in my early mornings and weekends. I still do, I pretty much work every day. So I still get up, this morning I got up at five and went straight into editing and did that for three hours and then Changed, swapped the laptops over and logged into work and I've just delivered a training session and now we're, we're chatting. But yeah, I, I work between those two modes. So there's some days where I'm on the computer for like 12 hours and I'm like, oh, I need to sit down because I have a stand-up desk as well. So I'm kind of doing both. And at the moment I'm in editing mode. So I'll edit the next book in the series, which is called A Sunrise Over Bali and get that across to my editor. I've just had some feedback on A Wedding in Tuscany, which is book five in the series, and that's due at the end of the month. So I will take on that feedback from my agent and then get that across, and then I'll start writing the Christmas swap. So there's always
0: something on the go. And do you enjoy having that variety or would you ideally like to be a full-time writer? Is that your ultimate goal?
1: I mean, it is my ultimate goal, but I've always said that even when I can step away from paid work, you know,
0: like what I do for Pearson, because
1: I really do love education, I would still find a way to be an educator. I think I would probably, you know, put my hand up for the Romance Writers Australia and do like a long form course and facilitate that. I do a lot of stuff kind of off my own back where I'm supporting other authors or doing little mini sessions and what have you so I think I would just expand that Mm -hmm. and potentially even hang out my own shingle to do online learning or one-on-one coaching or that sort of thing for fellow authors and just kind of pass on what I've learned from from doing the work and from my writing community but yeah I I love I just love being an educator I love as much as travel so I think I'll always have a hand in that but the intention is to be able to support myself full-time as a writer, for sure.
0: Look, that leads us on beautifully to this question, which I like to ask everyone, because we get so many different answers. But if there is one thing you've done in your writing career more than any other that's the secret of your success so far, what would you consider it to be?
1: Oh, that's,
0: <laughs> that's a really... I love that question. I think... I
1: think even though it's not the part that I enjoy the most, I think the part that has got me to where I am is the craft of pitching. So writing that pitch letter and figuring out who to submit to, who to, you know, to pitch your books to. Mm-hmm. That's agents and publishers, you know, just all of the administrative pieces behind that, all of the the, the crafting those letters, crafting the synopses. That's, that's something that I threw myself into wholeheartedly that year we were on sabbatical. I was writing, I wrote two books during that year as well, but I also, I did a lot of work around trying to figure out how do you even get your foot in the door? And once you have your foot in the door, what do you need to be able to produce? You know, you need to have a really good tight first three chapters. You need to have a really good pitch letter. You need to so all of those things and and just having the tenacity to take the no's the no's are not easy. It's not like you get a no and go, yippee. You get a no and it's a bit of a it's a dent. Sometimes it can be really overwhelmingly depending what else is going on, it can be like the worst thing that's ever happened to you and then you kind of pick yourself up. But having that tenacity and just really learning that part of the business, because it is a business. Mm -hmm. And I think the people who succeed in, in securing a publisher and or an agent, have they're the people who every time they got a no, were like, okay, I need to hone my pitch. I need to hone the synopses. I need to make it as make it even better I need to continue to look out for new people joining you know new agents emerging new publishing houses that are emerging and may may be a good home for me so yeah just kind of learning and understanding that part of the business
0: great great look this is the joys of binge reading so turning to Sandy as reader um, Mm. do you like binge reading and have you got some books that you'd like to recommend to listeners I I'm always reading and I'm usually
1: reading like three or four things at the same time. (laughs) It's a bit like, you know, you watch several different shows at the same time. So I kind of treat it like that. Look, I love, I love World War II fiction. So I have um saved this as a treat for myself. So Natasha Lester's latest book is out. She's a fantastic author. Her research is unbelievable. It takes her like two years to write a book. It takes me about three or four months. So yeah, her research is amazing. But she always has a fashion angle, which is really, really interesting to me, or an art angle. And and I really like reading about kind of that mid twentieth century, the, those stories. And her stories are epic, you know, they're brilliant. So I love anything by Natasha Lester I mean my favorite author in my genre is Lindsay Kalk. she continues to be my favorite author her I Heart series are eight of the books that's a fantastic binge read so if you pick one up you've got like seven more to go and super super fun it's a it very much fish out of water romance of British girl discovers her her boyfriend you know cheating on her and is at her best friend's wedding as the maid of honour and gets on a plane in her gown and flies to New York on a whim and ends up living there, as you do. But that's kind of the premise of the whole series is this um, British woman living in, in the US. And it's brilliant, so fun. And all of her books are set in different locations, which is great. So definitely recommend her. Look, they're just, it's it's so hard to think about, you know, like, on the spot like who who do you recommend who, because i just read so widely and i love i love crime Fiction. So if anyone wants to just ping me on social media, they can send me like if they've got a really good lead. Because my sister said recently, she said about six months ago, Have you read Alan Lee? It's L E E. And I was like, No. And I started reading his book and I literally read four back to back. (laughs) I was just like, These are so fun. You know, he's a really fun main character. He's got his tongue planted firmly in his cheek, but there's really good crime fiction as well. And he's a private investigator. And I just loved it, devoured them one after the other. So yeah, I do binge read. If I find an author, if I discover a new author, I just kind of go, I, I'm, that, I'm that reader. I'm like, what order do I need to read these books in? And sometimes I contact the author. I'm like, do I need to read these books in the specific order? And they'll be like, no, 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 you can kind of, they all. they all just kind of, any order is fine. I was like, okay, that's fine. Cause I really, really, really need to know. <laughs> and I'll start at the beginning. Julie Houston's books are fantastic for that. Actually. She was one of the authors who I contacted and I said, Jules, do I need to start anywhere? She goes, maybe start here. And I was like, okay. But she writes, she writes, most of her books are set around this particular village. So they're all interconnected stories, but they're not necessarily follow on from each other chron- chronologically. But she's brilliantly, brilliantly um, talented author. So Julie Houston, spelled like the city.
0: That's great. So, both Natasha and Lindsay have been on binge reading. So, and I agree with you, they're both Fantastic! Oh look at you! Oh my God! Two my favourites. I didn't even. That's brilliant. I love it.
1: (laughs) Well, I'm in very good company there. (laughs) You
0: are. Next year we're going to have Kate
1: Quinn, so I'm really. (laughs) Wow. Well, geez, and you asked little old me to be on the show. I'm very excited about
0: that. Looking back down the tunnel of time, because we are coming to the end of our time together. At this stage in your career, if you were doing it all over again, what, if anything, would you change? I think I would self-publish
1: sooner. So I actually, the book that became One Summer in Santorini, I self-published at the end of 2017. And then while I was writing the other two, I had published, self-published A Sunset in Sydney and then was about to do that with That Night in Paris. And that's when I got the publishing deal. But I would do that sooner. And I would also, because for a start, I didn't know you weren't supposed to, again, air quotes, supposed to query... With books that you'd self-published, a lot of people tell you, "Oh, you can't." No, you can't query books if you've self-published them. You have to choose: you're self-publishing, or you're going down traditional route. No one told me that, so I just was querying these books. I'm like, these books are out there. I'm getting really good responses, but I'd like to broaden my audience. I'm looking for my literary home, and they're like, "We love the books. Let's publish them." So that rule doesn't exist. I would get them out there sooner. I they said. They, the Santorini sat in a drawer for a really long time because I was afraid. Yes. I don't know what I was afraid of. <laughs> I don't know what I was afraid of, but I was just afraid. So just in general, like I was, I don't know if I was afraid of failure or success, but I was afraid. So it was really the encouragement of Ben, my partner to say, just, let's just do this. Let's just make the decision that you're going to self-publish and then keep working and writing more books. I'm like, okay, so I did that. And, you know, and that's, this is how it
0: turned out, which is my ultimate goal was to get a publisher. And that was a way to do that. Fantastic. You have mentioned what you're working on, but just give us a quick recap on that. The next 12 months, what do they look like for you?
1: So the next 12 months is going to be three more books out with one more chapter. So A Sunrise Over Bali, which is book four in the Holiday Romance series, A Wedding in Tuscany, which is book five, and then a follow-up to the Christmas swap called The May Lady's Christmas. And I've also co-written a very different book, a sexy crime thriller, contemporary drama slash crime thriller with my friend who is a British author who lives in Auckland called Fiona Leach. She and I have the same publisher and the same age. Agent and we just decided to collaborate on this project. So we're in the final stages of prepping that for our agent to send out to publishing houses.
0: So that could be four books out in 2022. You never know. Fabulous. Absolutely fabulous. Did you find it different writing that kind of crime thriller to what you're doing? Oh,
1: yeah, absolutely. And I had the idea for a really long time. I we call it kind of big little liars meets gone girl. So we wrote it into Parts we've got two different main characters, and I wrote the big little lies part, sort of the suburban drama, a little bit of psychological drama, and she wrote the crime thriller part because the two parts are connected by a a horrific crime. So yeah, it was really fun to do that, and it's a lot. It's it's much much darker than anything I've written before. Yeah, something I as I said, I had the idea for many many years, and I pitched it to Fiona, and she's like, oh, that's amazing, let's do it, because she writes crime fiction and I was like, she's going to be a great partner, and she was. So, yeah, we learned a lot about each other, and I have great respect for her and her process. She's has very different process to me, but yeah, it just kind of came together really well, and we gave it to our agent. She, we we're going through her second round of feedback at the moment to get it in tip-top shape, and then it will go out to publishing houses. So, yeah,
0: fingers That's crossed. It. I'm ashamed to say I don't know Fiona's work. I'll have to look her up. That's Really bad, my bad. But oh no, I mean, she's a little
1: she because her publisher is in Britain and her books are set there. So she has, she has, um, a book out that won a competition with Audible. So it was actually first published as an audio book that's called Dead in Venice. And that is hysterically funny. It's about a crime fiction author who has writer's block and takes herself off to Venice. And then she has a follow-up to that book called Murder Ahoy. And then with one more chapter, she's got the Nosy Parker Cozy Mystery Series. So she's just, three books are out. One book is coming for Christmas. Um, I think it's coming out in a week or two and then she's writing books five and six in that series so she yeah so she writes like both sides of crime thriller kind of the cozy mystery where there's no blood and gore and then the kind of more yeah that more crime fiction fiction fiction-y. yeah Yeah. and then she's she's actually written a couple of other self-published books too which one's a romantic comedy which is great she's a fantastic writer she can pretty much do anything so yeah do look her up
0: it's l-e-i-t-c-h Fantastic. Thank you. Now, look, do you enjoy hearing from your readers and where can they find you online? Yes, absolutely. I any Anyone who sends me a message, I will always reply. It's just,
1: it's lovely to hear from readers. Um, they can find me on Twitter. Sandy, I'm just at Sandy Barker. My website is sandybarker.com. It's got all my socials on there um, Instagram, social uh, is Sandy Barker author, Facebook, Sandy Barker author. So, yeah, I think if you just Google me, <laughs>
0: lovely and we'll put, oh, we'll put links to all of those sites on the show notes for this episode so that's fantastic great sandy thank you so much for being with us today we've had a fantastic time talking i've really enjoyed it oh it's been a great it's, i can't believe it's gone so fast thank you so much jenny for having me it's really been great Thanks for listening today. Next week, our guest will be Lulu Taylor, bestselling author who's made a specialty of winter-themed family stories that make the seller lists for Christmas books all around the world every year. If you're looking for a little light entertainment or a good Christmas read for you or a friend, you couldn't do better than Lulu. Thanks a lot for being with us today. Don't miss Lulu next week and happy reading.